Being a Better Man, Episode 50. Hey, that's kind of a milestone. Make a memory on purpose. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Storytime with Alf. Storytime is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. My dad woke me up at 2.30 in the morning. I was disoriented and confused and drunk with sleep, and I was not cooperating. Finally, he was able to break through to my consciousness by telling me, Hey, come on. It's your birthday today. I got something to show you. The mere mention of my birthday seemed to open up all my capillaries and send oxygen rushing to my brain. This was the day I had been waiting for, for 364 days. Instead of just having one digit in my age, now I would have two. I was one step closer to being a grown-up. Today, I became 10 years old. I got dressed and went upstairs to the kitchen, where I found my dad making me breakfast. My mom usually did the cooking, so whenever dad cooked, it was kind of a special treat. He was frying eggs and bacon. He made a plate for me, and I sat down. I had never been awake this early in the day. It was pitch black outside. The darkness confused me and made it hard to understand that it was morning, the actual morning of my birthday. Dad was filling his thermos with coffee and packing some things into bags. He told me to hurry up and finish eating because we had to get going. He seemed excited and a bit anxious which was a noticeable change from his usual calm, collected demeanor. I asked, where are we going? He just smiled and told me, you'll see when we get there. I asked a few more times, trying to get him to tell me what our destination was, but he just wouldn't budge. He remained happily silent, like he had the best secret in the world. I was frustrated by his refusal, but there was something about the way he was acting that let me know wherever we were going, it was going to be good. By now it was three o'clock in the morning. We loaded into the car and we took off, me in the front seat beside him. I saw that he had packed some heavy coats, which I thought was odd because you don't need coats in July. I was determined to stay awake. I didn't want to miss anything. And I succeeded for an entire half mile before sleep came to reclaim me. I slept for the next two hours as we drove. The next thing I was aware of was Dad shaking me awake, saying, We're here. We were still driving, but the sky was brighter with the first traces of dawn. As my eyes adjusted, I looked around, and I saw a pleasant little town shrouded in fog and mist. The smell of the sea had filled the car. The road we were on ended at a marina. I saw boats and docks, but the fog was so thick I couldn't see much beyond them. Dad parked the car. We got out and he motioned for me to follow him. 
I still didn't know for sure what we were up to. I was barely containing my excitement. We walked onto a dock that had boats parked on both sides. After a little ways down the dock, my dad stopped at a particular boat. A man working on the boat looked up and came over to greet us. My dad said, Alf, this is Bud. He's the skipper of this boat. Bud shook my hand. I'd never met a skipper before, but he looked exactly like what you might imagine a skipper would look like, right down to his skipper hat and yellow rain slicker. Bud welcomed us aboard. I was left to explore the boat a little bit while my dad and Bud talked. It was starting to make sense, but it was still hard to believe. I saw fishing poles, big ones, much bigger than the little trout poles we had at home. Then I realized my dreams had come true. We were going fishing on the ocean. I wasn't sure what we were fishing for, and it didn't really matter. I was here with my dad, and we were about to embark on an adventure together, somewhere out beyond that thick fog. A couple other men joined us on the boat, and we made ready to depart. I was fitted with a life jacket. The big twin diesel engine started up, and we took our seats. My heart was about to beat right out of my chest. My dad was beaming with his own happiness and enthusiasm. We slowly left the harbor, chugging past other boats that were getting ready to leave. By now the eastern sky was pale yellow. After a little ways we were out of the fog and it was beautiful. Pelicans were flying low in groups over the water, and the seagulls that seemed to be following our boat were calling out to each other. We finally made our way to open water, and Bud the skipper throttled up the engine. The back of the vessel hunkered down a bit as the bow raised up, and I could feel the cool sting of morning air on my cheeks. Now we were moving. We were headed due west, right out into the Pacific Ocean. After nearly an hour, the engines quieted down and we came to a stop. There was no land, only water, as far as the eye could see in any direction. Bud had a couple deckhands, and they started issuing fishing poles. My dad and I got ours, and I was told not to touch anything until I was told to. Then a deckhand got us all set up with bait, which was an anchovy held in place on the end of the line by two big hooks. Talking more to my dad than me, he showed us how to let out the proper amount of line, and then dad helped me do the same with my pole, explaining how to operate the reel with all of its little levers and whatnot. It was much different than the little spin cast reels I was used to. I was told we were fishing for salmon. The limit was three each. The biggest fish I'd seen up to this point were trout, and not huge ones, like 14 to 18 inches at most. My dad told me this was very serious business out here because I might hook a fish that was almost as big as me, and twice as strong. Dad poured some coffee from his thermos and handed me a soda. We sat there watching our poles. We talked and laughed and listened to each other. We were talking about salmon and sea monsters and vikings and whales and all manner of things. It was during this time that I felt for the first time in my life what it might be like to be a man. I felt like I wasn't just a boy right now. I was sharing a real experience with my dad, like a man. I was being regarded by him and the skipper and the deckhands like another man on the boat. And it felt fantastic. I was so happy. 
Suddenly, the end of my pole arced down quickly in a violent motion and stayed there, pointing at the water, trembling slightly. My jaw dropped and my eyes opened wide as my dad shouted, Fish on! He was telling me what to do as the deckhands ran over to supervise. I grabbed the pole and with my right hand started cranking the reel with its big fake ivory ball grip. I had never felt anything like this before. It felt like if the end of the pole was not securely in the holder, that this fish could easily pull me right into the ocean. Cranking was difficult. I was strong for my age, but it was a monumental task turning the reel when the fish was fighting. Occasionally the fish would swim right toward the boat and I could quickly reel in the slack, shortening the distance between me and him. I was getting coached by my dad and the deckhands as I fought this fish. The skipper Bud came down from the wheelhouse to express his approval and add a bit of advice as well. Minutes were flying by as I battled this denizen of the deep. My right arm was on fire with fatigue. When I felt like I might have to hand over my pole because my grip was starting to fail is when I caught the first sight of the salmon. A big silver flash not too far down. I decided I could do it. Eventually, he was close enough, and somebody scooped him up with a huge net. And there he was. There was my fish. My right arm was almost numb, but I had won. He was about 31 inches long. I could tell my dad was proud I had caught the first fish of the day. As I watched, the hands marked him and put him in a big cooler. After that, the day just kept getting better. I got horribly seasick at one point. I was throwing up over the side, but I was having so much fun, I hardly even noticed. The vomiting was just an inconvenience. Other men caught fish, my dad caught one or two, but I was the only person on the boat who caught three. I didn't get the biggest, but I did get the most. We saw every kind of sea that day, from glassy calm to super choppy. At one point we were in huge swells, a wall of water on each side of us. Then we'd be on top of a swell, sliding down sideways. A couple times the boat tipped and we took on water over the side. It was so exciting and a bit scary. But whenever I felt scared, I just looked at my dad. If he looked calm like nothing was wrong, then I relaxed. Eventually it was time to head back in. We reeled in our lines and the engines throttled up. To my surprise, the skipper Bud called down for me to join him up in the wheelhouse. My dad nodded at me with a smile, and I scurried up next to Bud. Bud said he needed a break and asked if I would drive us in for a bit. He took some time explaining to me how to keep on the heading we were on. He told me which instruments to look at and how to handle the wheel. He watched me for a minute, then he put his skipper hat on my head and left me alone. There I was, operating this boat full of men all by myself, on the ocean. I'd never been so proud and satisfied in my life. It seemed like I was there for a long time, but it was probably only five or ten minutes before Bud came back to reclaim command of the vessel. As I walked back down to the main deck, I had a new sense of confidence and bearing. It may have just been my imagination, but I felt like the other men on the boat regarded me a little differently as well. We got back to the marina. We said goodbye to everyone and disembarked with our fish. Several men made a point of shaking my hand or slapping me on the shoulder. Dad and I got in the car and headed for home. 
The steel air of the car felt good after being in the wind all day. We didn't talk too much on the ride home. There wasn't much to say. I think we were both just basking in the afterglow of one of the best days of our life and being content in the presence of one another. A couple hours later, we were home, showing off our catch and telling our own versions of the day's adventure. It was early evening, and it was still my birthday. My mother had made me a cake, and we had had a little party in my honor. After we ate, I was walking around and looking down in the grass, and there was a four-leaf clover, the first one I ever found. When I went to bed that night, I truly felt like I was the happiest, luckiest ten-year-old that ever lived. It was ten years since I was born, but today was the birth of a brand new memory. And that's the end of the story. And I'll tell you what I got from it. Besides a great memory, I learned how profoundly we can impact other people in our lives. I doubt if my father was ever able to truly appreciate what this day meant to me. It was a monumental day in my life and remains one of the top five favorite days of all time. I'm sure he knows I had a great day, but he probably doesn't understand how deeply it affected me. Knowing this, I've tried to give my kids days like this at different times throughout their lives. But honestly, I don't know if I ever succeeded. I can't say for certain that I ever gave them something as precious as what my dad gave me. But I have tried. And now I have more opportunities with my grandkids, and I'm looking forward to trying some more. The important thing, and what I want you to take away from this episode, is to realize that this is how you become immortal. When you impact someone's life in a positive way, when you give them that kind of gift, it creates a memory. The memory becomes a story. Then they will tell the story, like I've told this story today. And as long as people are telling stories about you, you aren't really ever dead. That's what I mean about being immortal. Whether you have kids yet or not, there's probably someone in your life that you could impact. Someone you could make a grand memory for. And it all ties back to the most valuable things we have in life. Our relationships. Making impactful memories with intent, on purpose, is one way of nurturing those relationships and being a better man. That's it for today, guys. Now head out into the world and make some great memories for and with the people you love. And be a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad, signing out.